we'll just see uh, what happens. You know, we're continuing in on our series uh, from the book of Matthew called Jesus and the Stuff of Life. And what we're looking at is uh, what, what really is the life that Jesus wants us uh, to have? What does his life uh, really mean? And in the book of Matthew, there's, uh, there's uh, you know, a number of different ways in which uh, Jesus talks about that. Uh, but what, what felt important to me as I was preparing this was really flowing out of uh, the prep for last week's message. And that was kind of understanding what it is to lead a called life. What it is to be called by Jesus. What it is to be uh, invited uh, into uh, his story by him. And, uh, and so there's, you know, there's some questions that, that we were probably all asked as kids. How many of you were asked as a kid... What, what do you want to be when you grow up? So, yeah, how many of you are still asking that question? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, some of us were asked that question at, at, at really early age. Uh, some of us were asked that question but told the answer. Uh, you know, <laughs> some of us were asked that question but really told the answer. You know, we have uh, our parents and our family and our family history you know, shaped uh, to uh, really influence us. I know, I know early on, both Jack and Toby, when, when I asked them what they would want to be when they grew up, they would say, a pastor. And I would say, you just wait a little while. I'm sure you'll say something different. Uh, although I would love it if they followed in, in my footsteps around that. But there's, there's something about how do we make those sorts of decisions. And I'm not just talking about career, and I'm not just talking about uh, vocation, but uh, talking about what it really is to be a person who who follows Jesus. Um, very often, some of these ideas that we have, some of the vision that we have for our lives, uh, don't don't always fit us that well. They don't fit us as as clothes that are really comfortable. This is some fun that some dad had while mom was away. I'm sure <laughs> there's a whole pile of these pictures online, like little babies with suits on. It's hysterical, and. Uh, uh, there, there's just a, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it's good. It's good to sort of determine uh, what that is, what that calling is, what that uh, identity is. And we talked a little bit last week about sort of the mode of finding who you are uh, that, that sort of exists in the world uh, today. We talked about expressive individualism. Uh, expressive individualism is sort of this idea that uh, to be really fulfilled as people, to be people who are, are going to be happy people and joyful people, we have to find that thing that is sort of uniquely us. We have to sort of look inside of ourselves and, and, and follow our own path. We talked about graduates, chart your own course, follow your dreams, uh, all of that. And, and, and this is sort of summed up in, in a hundred, I could have I picked hundreds of these things off, off uh, the internet, but this is just one of those classic Facebook uh, memes that's out there. You really need to look inside yourself to find your inner strength and say, I am proud for who I am and I just want to be myself. That there's this longing in us to figure out who we really are and to be who we really are and to live that out and, and to express it. And there's something really, really wonderful about that. There's something really awesome about that. There's a, there's a healthy expressive individualism. You don't want people going around being, uh, uh, you know, sort of square pegs in round holes. You don't want people uh, not fitting, not knowing what they're made for, not knowing what they're called to, not knowing uh, what God wants to do with them. It, it's, 
it's, uh, it's that kind of uh, uh, a thing that's really healthy, that kind of freedom. But there, there's also a bad side, uh, expressive individualism. And, and the first part of it is, is if we really understand it in the way North America and Western Europe understands individualism today, uh, determining your own destiny purely based on introspection and, and looking inside yourself is actually pretty lonely. It's actually pretty lonely. We read that quote from Brad Pitt last week. Uh, he's like, I'm the guy who's got everything, I know, but, but I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. Once you've got everything, and this is a guy Um, and, and he's saying, yeah, but there's something about it that's lonely. Uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, it doesn't help. You, you don't sleep any better, and you don't wake up any better because you, you know yourself. That's sort of the first part of the is, is that that kind of way of living that's purely individualistic can be kind of lonely. And, and the other side is that we really don't know uh, who we are. When you look inside and you want to determine uh, that voice inside you, that, that thing that identifies who you are, um, there, there's a whole range of things and there's a whole myriad of voices. We talked about that. Uh, I mean, this is just from the movie Inside Out, done with Lego figures, but um, you've got, you know, angry self and you've got happy self and you've got uh, sad self and, and whatever self. I didn't see the movie, so I don't know. All kinds of selves. Uh, what's your What's your... What's yourself? And you've got, uh, you know, your future self, and you've got your past self, and you've got your present self, and you've got uh, all of these influences in your life as well. There, there's incredible cultural trends that uh, that seem incredibly important to us now in terms of how we define ourselves. Uh, there's ways of thinking that we hear uh, pumped out through music and art and and film that that seem like, yeah, this is something that can give my life direction. And we take these things and we internalize them. We take these influences and we, and we make them uh, a part of ourselves. We make them who we, we are. But you know what? There's somebody somewhere in a room in Madison Avenue uh, who's probably up this morning. He shouldn't be working, but he or she uh, is. And they're sitting there with a scratch pad and they're thinking, in six months, I need a slogan for Budweiser beer that's going to make everybody feel like if I drink a Bud, that's really me. Some guy, some guy is doing that or, or, or some other idea or some other concept or some other product. Millions and millions of dollars are spent on, on helping you find that thing that's really you and getting you to buy the corresponding product. But then when you buy that product, they're already six months ahead and thinking about what you need to buy in six months because you've already bought that product. And, and if they get residuals, that's great. If they can get you to buy it again and again, that's awesome. But we better get them on to thinking about something new and exciting. And, and the way they do that is, again, by, by trying to attach a lot of these things to, to core parts of our identity. So how do we sort through all of that? How do we wade through all of these questions, the late... Margaret Thatcher, Prime Minister, uh, former Prime Minister of, of the UK, uh, always told this story. She, she said, I went, I went this one time in, into a nursing home, and, uh, and I went in there, and, and I got talking to the 
beautiful old people that are there and, and getting to know them and, and sharing with them just part of her sort of uh, being political and being out there in the community. And, and she got talking to this one lady and this, she's this Margaret Thatcher. She's like, ma'am, do you know who I am? And, and the lady said, well, when I forget who I am, I just talk to the nurses. <laughs> you know, who do, who do you talk to? How do you find out who you really are? How, how, how do you find out? What we talked about last week uh, from, from John chapter 10 is this idea that, that we're actually people who are, who are made to follow. Uh, the assumption in this passage in John 10 that we looked at last week is that we're, we're all sheep. We ultimately are people who, who follow, and it's not really a question uh, for most of us of, of if you're a follower. If we're honest, we are influenced by so many things. We're led by so many things. The, the real question is, is who are you going to follow? And, and maybe just, just an aside, you know, probably an important thing to, to state at this point, I, I think you should follow Jesus. <laughs> Like, where are you going to find someone so incredibly compassionate and somebody so kind and somebody so wise and somebody who's given uh, so much for us? Like, like if you want to hear, oh, there's, a, there's a spot to start. Just, just a little side note there. Um, but it says this. It says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And we talked about this, how he, he calls his sheep by name. So, so Jesus assumes we're individuals. And Jesus celebrates uh, that we're individuals. But he also has uh, a way of calling us to him. We're not individuals that are just left to be individuals. We're not individuals that are just left to be ourselves and to operate in the world where we just sort of bump into other people and do other things. We're individuals that are, are meant to be led. They're meant to be led by him. So, so what does that mean? What does it mean <coughs> to follow Jesus? What does it mean to really be a follower of Jesus? And, and it would seem like the obvious thing to look at uh, would be how Jesus called his disciples. If you want to understand calling, we can understand how, how Jesus called his disciples. But, but uh, you know, something kept, kept uh, nagging at me as I was, as I was preparing that. And, and that's the idea that Jesus was a called person. Jesus was a called person. How did Jesus follow? How did Jesus follow the Father? Uh, we we have this this incredible uh, piece, and I've got the I've got the uh, cap the uh, reference wrong. It's actually Matthew chapter three, thirteen, right at the beginning of uh, of Jesus' ministry. Right at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, he's baptized, and this is really our text this morning. So I'm just going to pray before we read it, and we're we're not going to spend too too much time. I, I'm hoping this will be a shortish sermon, but. Uh, let's just read this text and, and pray. Father, I ask that you would come as we read your word. Uh, I ask that you would meet with us. I ask that as, as we read these, these scriptures that, that your word would actually powerfully impact us. It would impact our minds, it would impact our hearts, and it would impact us 
in, in spiritual and in intangible ways that just by reading your word we would be transformed. I pray for every person here who's tired and every person here who is not sure why they're here or, or every person here who maybe their parents dragged them here this morning. Uh, anybody who's here out of a sense of duty and, and is wondering, what, what, what am I doing here? What's the purpose? I, I pray that as we read your word, that there would be a real connection with you. That there would be something awesome uh, in your word for, for each person here. That every person would go away richer. Would you help me as, as, as I do this, God? Uh, I'm tired and I need your strength. Would you uh, let your power rest on this message? Would it, would it be something that changes lives? Uh, love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We worship you together. Amen. Amen. Let's read Matthew 3, 13 again. Sorry for the mistake in the uh, PowerPoint there. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up and out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. With him I am well pleased. Again, Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17. You know, uh, Jesus' uh, baptism by John is quite a strange piece. You know, why did why was Jesus baptized? I mean, it was really clear uh, from the beginning of this chapter that John was there uh, baptizing people uh, as, as a, an act of repentance. Uh, people were coming in and repenting. People were coming uh, in Matthew uh, 3, chapter 1. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So what was Jesus repenting for? Jesus, of course, lived a, a sinless life, didn't he? He, he was uh, the creator. He was the God who created the universe. And the beginning of John, and the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And Jesus is God. So, so, so what is he being uh, baptized for? And, you know, there's a way in which, uh, you know, often as a Baptist, you know, I was taught that that's there to understand just the Jesus concept of obedience, uh, his his willingness to obey, <coughs> sort of obey the, the leadership uh, structure, the spiritual authority, the true spiritual authority that is John to connect uh, his, his ministry with him. That was sort of part of the teaching. But the, the big reason that Jesus was uh, baptized was to fully identify with us to fully identify with sinners, to identify at the deepest level with you and I. <coughs> now, what a calling that is. What an incredible calling that is that, that Jesus had. Remember, holy, mighty, awesome, clothed in white, glorious in, in splendor, creator of the universe, chilling with the angels, bright lights, big sound, clean heaven. I'm pretty sure that nobody has a broom in heaven. Like, 
pretty sweet place, pretty sweet setup, and, and, and God calls his son Jesus to get on the down escalator. Hey, Jesus, why don't you get on the down escalator for a while? And why don't you go down uh, to earth? <coughs> Pardon the cough. Why don't you do that as a, a, a little baby? So let's send you down to earth, but let's send you down without uh, a body that can actually do a lot of stuff. We're going to send you down to earth. Jesus and your mom can carry you around for a while. Why don't you just uh, lay aside your power? and your splendor and your majesty, and we'll let your mom carry you around for a while, and she's going to have to wipe your bum. She's going to have to take care of, of those details for you, but, uh, but you go down. And, and so Jesus went down the down escalator because his father called him down. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So Jesus goes on the down escalator. Um, and, and then he went further down. A life as of a baby isn't too bad, but... But then God saddled him with these ridiculous disciples. Right? Like he's got a tax collector, he's got uh, zealots, he's got fishermen. <coughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Um, you know, he's, he, he, he's got this incredible life, he's got no home. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, he's wandering around. Uh, he doesn't have three bedrooms, two baths, a nice roof over his head. He's got dusty feet. He's having to wash them all the time. Uh, like, what, what's this all about? And, and God says, son, just, just go a little further down the down escalator. And all of a sudden, uh, at the end of his life, we have Jesus. We have him crowned with thorns. We have him standing trial in, in a sham of a legal process. Uh, standing trial uh, in a confusing system. We have him beaten, we have him whipped, we have him nailed to a cross. And God says, why don't you go down the down escalator and has him put in the grave? And, 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 and that's, that's pretty bad. God, God tasted death. And God says, why not go further down the down escalator? And we have in the New Testament the story of Jesus uh, preaching in hell. That's about as down as the down escalator gets. So, so what is it? How do we do that? What, what is our call? I don't think we're called to the kind of down escalator that Jesus was, except that we might be called to exactly the kind of down escalator that Jesus was. Are we called to follow him, to pick up our cross and follow him, to go where he wants us to go? Uh, what the gospel assumes, the gospel assumes is that Jesus is the leader. The gospel assumes that Jesus is the leader, that he has the right as God, very God, creator of the universe, to call us to follow him, to call us to obey. Now, we know, standing back and looking at the scriptures and knowing the end of the story, that, that following him is absolutely going to be the most glorious, awesome, joy-filled uh, end of the story adventure of our lives, we absolutely know that because he's good and he's kind and he's generous and he's awesome, that the end of the story for us following him is awesome and good. We know that's a good story, but, but we're still called to follow. It's full of blessing, full of awesomeness, but, but we're still called to follow. We, we don't get to determine our fate. We, we have an invitation to follow him, and we have freedom not to follow him, but, but if we want it to be good, uh, we have to follow. 
we have to, we have to obey. And so what makes it possible to, to do that? What makes it possible to follow Jesus? What's the foundation of that? I mean, I mean, for, for us, when we think about finding our calling, we, we often think about career, we often think about uh, vocation, we think about family, <coughs> we think about all of that, but what's, our, what's the macro, what's the big picture, what's the foundation, the context uh, of our calling? And the answer here is in the rest of the passage. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. You know, the place where Jesus was baptized is, is literally the lowest point. Right by the Dead Sea there is literally the lowest point on planet Earth in terms of elevation, that you can be on land. It's the lowest point. And Jesus went to this lowest point. And what, what made it so that he could be there? It's all about his identity. Now, now Jesus didn't draw his identity from uh, the things we draw our identity from. Jesus didn't draw his identity from what people said about him. Now, what did they say about Jesus? Well, they said he was a drunk. They said he was demon-possessed. They said he was a liar. They said he, he kept bad company. <coughs> they didn't say good things about him at all. But he heard someone say something good about him. He knew where to draw that voice from. He knew where to draw that identity piece from. Behold, this is my son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And so earlier in worship, you know, when we were uh, sitting here and, and just trying to soak in God's presence, it's sort of, that's sort of my hope that, that that's something that we learn to do as a community. How many of you in the last week took a, a period of time out of your week took a period of time out of your day, out of your schedule, and I'm telling you now, I'm confessing now that I did not this week. How many of you took a period of time to just sit and listen to the voice of the Father, to the voice of God telling you who you are from his perspective? How many of you carved out a little bit of time and sat in a chair in your home and and, and, and turn the lights out maybe, or turn the TV off, or your iPad, your iPhone, uh, other inferior devices, uh, <laughs> and just uh, carved out that time to just bask in this incredible knowledge that your heavenly Father loves you, that your heavenly Father speaks to you that your heavenly father is a shepherd who can be trusted to call you into a calling that's absolutely awesome because of who he understands you to be. Uh, the foundation of understanding who we are is, is found in the gospels, uh, in, the, in the gospel, in the book of Romans. This whole idea that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that look like for you and for me? Well, you, you imagine that your, your house is, has got security cameras all through it or, or in your car. Or, or imagine even your mind that you've got like electrodes on your head and, and your thoughts can be read. Imagine uh, that most shameful moment of your life, that thing if your life was recorded uh, on Big Brother and, and it was going to be broadcast all across Canada, uh, that darkest moment. Imagine that thing that you've done that, that would provide the deepest sense of shame and embarrassment that you could possibly feel. Don't imagine that moment for too long or you'll be really depressed. But imagine in that moment, Jesus is watching the broadcast in that darkest moment and he says, that one there, that one there, that one I love, that one I'm dying for, that one I'm dying for. But we're in the deepest of sin and the darkest of dark. In that moment, his eyes were on us. And, and, and at our lowest point, at our darkest point, he sees in us value, enough value, that he would absolutely die for us. And he did absolutely die for you. That's the gospel. That's where our value comes from. That's where our worth comes from. And that's where the security comes from to trust him with our calling. My sheep know my voice. We become his sheep as we trust him. We become his sheep as we give our lives over to him, as we believe that, that the things that he's going to say that come out of his mouth are going to be good things for us. We, we've talked about this from James before. Consider it pure joy when you uh, face trials of many kinds. Uh, that, that's crazy. Uh, what, what about later when you ask for wisdom? If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. There's a way of asking God that, that is, is filled with a faith and a trust that, that when we ask, he'll speak. There's a way of predisposing ourselves to follow before we've heard him speak. And it's in that uh, connection to him, that trust that's built based on our identity, based on understanding uh, the incredible love of the Father for us that lets us find a security enough to follow wherever we're supposed to follow. And what does that mean for us? That means for us that sometimes he might not call us to uh, the exact success uh, and career peace that we've always dreamed of. That's what that might mean. But he might call you to serve children in a part of the world and, and no one to pay you for it. He might call you, uh, instead of uh, going to that umpteenth uh, social event with all of your uh, friends, he might call you uh, to himself. He might call you to stay at home and, and be friends with him in that moment. He might call you to that. 
he might call you. Uh, I mean, this was, a, this was incredible. I was at this church in, in Columbus, Ohio last summer. And I, and I was I was hanging out with the parking attendants because these guys were the happiest parking attendants you can imagine. They're flagging cars. They're making jokes. They're getting everybody. And I said, where did they get these guys? Like, how does this work? Uh, they're volunteers. And among them was a guy who works as a VP for a major insurance company. Uh, I talked to an investment banker. I mean, and Columbus, Ohio is just full of banking and insurance, big financial hub of the U.S., there were bankers and, and guys big up in insurance and finance and investment. And they were having the time of their lives parking cars because Jesus had called them to park cars that day. So what is Jesus calling you to do? What is the shepherd calling you to do? Uh, in, in the small uh, things, of course, always to serve, always to be in community. But then in the big thing, what's Jesus calling you to do? How is he calling you to himself? How is he calling him to calling you to himself? And uh, I don't have a snazzy way to wrap that up because I can't tell you that. I can't answer that question. But what are all the things that you've been following that aren't Jesus? And what are all the things that he's calling you to follow? that are really him, that are really his voice. And only he can say that. And the, and the only way to make headway in a talk like this is to just take some time to listen. And I know we just love silence in our culture, but I'm gonna just give us a moment of silence. I didn't carve out much time to bask in the love of the Father this, this week, but uh, here's some time right now. What are the things that you've been chasing that aren't really the things that, that are the voice of Jesus? And what is the voice of Jesus saying to you? Father, I ask that as we, as we pray and as we just take a few moments here with you, I ask that you would, uh, you would really speak to us. you would really anchor uh, our identity in you. Would you call us to you with a, with a new level of trust? A new level of confidence that obeying you is the way to the good life. that we can actually trust you with that.
Now, Father, would you give a gift of confidence to each person here that, uh, that doesn't feel like they can hear your voice? Anyone who feels like that's too spiritual for them or that's something for charismatics or something for people you love more or any of that, Father, would you give every single person here who, who knows you the confidence that they can hear from you? And would you give every person here who doesn't know you, who hasn't trusted you with their lives, uh, a willingness to just invite you in to speak? Would you show each person here just how generous and how kind and how wonderful a master you are? That these words of service, these words of calling you uh, Lord and, and God and, and Master wouldn't, wouldn't be terrifying to our sense of individualism. Would those words be reclaimed and be filled with freedom? Would those words no longer be anathema to us? Would they be a celebration to us? Would we be fully your servants and fully your kids? all at once. Would we be fully both? Would you break that dichotomy in, in our heads? Would you help us to understand a little bit more of the breadth of who you are? Thank you, Jesus. Would you show each one a, a next step, a, a mission, a, a, a calling, a, something a, to do that is first and foremost to you and, and secondarily a, a really, really fun way to serve you that brings joy and life. speak freedom over this community a knowledge of your voice would you take us on many great adventures Lord we, we welcome the adventure we welcome your invitation to all of the amazing things you have for us we trust you in Jesus name we pray Amen Cool. God bless you guys.